0: His pulse started going weak, and then the dude just started doing these breaths like he was dying. He was like, and I was like, and I saw like his face just go dead, man, like dead. You are now listening to the Why Is It Like That podcast, a mental health podcast where we discuss the crippling effects and stories of PTSD, anxiety, depression, and suicide. The views and opinions of our guests are not our own, but merely their side of the story related to trauma, addiction, and mental health. We are real, raw, and uncut. The stories you hear are not easy to hear. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Trey Trevino, alongside your other host, Heath Garcia. We both suffer from PTSD, anxiety, and depression, just like you. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the United States Navy and have seen first-hand effects of mental health on our society. And ask the question, why is it like that? We share your stories to provide freedom and comfort to the people of this world, that there is hope, that there is peace, and that we will all be okay. But first, I'd like to start by taking a moment of silence for the ones we've lost to this mind battle, to our military that we have lost, and to the soldiers, sailors, Marines, Coasties, and Airmen that are deployed in harm's way, away from their families, missing their child being born, birthdays, anniversaries, and even deaths of loved ones. not what y'all been waiting for the why is it like that podcast let's get it welcome to today's podcast guys on this one we're going to be discussing masks and rightly so it's titled the man of a thousand masks Kind of like, what are the different faces we show society to cover up what's really going on inside? Sometimes it's a big front to protect ourselves, and at other times, it's the true demon we really are. It's somewhat of a follow-up from our last episode where we spoke with Joshua Shea and his uh, porn addiction and the many masks he wore to hide it. Today, Heath and I are going to share stories regarding masks, from alcohol to chasing women, and share the story of how I had to harness some strength to perform CPR this past weekend. But uh, before I start... Uh, we'd like to share the awesome things that are going on on a local shelter called Ryan's House for Youth, a place that helps and supports homeless and at-risk youth achieve their highest potential both physically, mentally, and academically. So, uh, Heath, take it away.
1: Um, this is a Island County nonprofit organization based in Coopville. You can research them by going to ryanshouseforyouth.org, dot right. And a little bit about them. So, they're a campus Uh, it's like a a pretty nice piece of property and it's got a campus on it and they house uh, and rehabilitate uh, homeless youth. Now in the state of Washington, homeless youth is defined as anyone from 12 to 24 years of age because the human brain essentially doesn't start or doesn't stop developing until the age of 25. So they're now considering people under the age of 25 youth, which is great um, because it opens those, that door for those programs, for those, individuals. And, um, they do it in a, in a very numerous variety of ways. So they have uh, host home programs for anyone that's 12 to 17 years of age that has maybe a rough experience and they're trying to reunite them with their family. Maybe they were going through some things. Um, you can qualify for this, uh, yourself if you wanted to house a 12 to 17 year old child. Um, and pretty much, you know, help them get through, go to the same school, um, show them a better experience in life until their parents or, or their, or their guardians can actually uh be able to take care of them again and reunite them. Um it's really special, you know. Um also they have a on-site housing uh and job program kind of thing, uh that's for 18 to 24 years of age. And that's pretty much for people in the community that doesn't really have any anywhere to turn to. And that can, that can even mean, uh, like friends sleeping on friend's couches that, that that'd be actually considered a homeless person in state, uh, or a homeless youth. You know what I mean? If they're bedded down with, with one of their friends in their house. Um, of course, you know, these, these kids all suffer from adverse childhood experiences and trauma. Um, they are in total demand and need of support, uh, And volunteer support, that is, Uh, you can go to their website, you can apply. And also, if you don't want to apply to have, I guess, if you want to apply to give time, but you can give something to help facilitate their program. They have a current list of needs, which is in their featured opportunities thing. Uh, Right now for food, they need milk, meats for cooking, veggies, fresh veggies, lunch meats, cheeses of all kinds, baking items that they can use. Um, And then they have also wish lists uh, that you can look at at amazon.com registry. Uh, This is all going to that program to facilitate uh, the youth. So it's not going, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit organization. Like I said, all this stuff is donated. Um, also they can use scholarship stuff, use cell phones, laptops, anybody that can provide legal assistance for youth. Um, that's a huge thing, you know, for troubled juveniles that, that are, might be going up for juvenile court or something like that to get an actual look at what, you know, what they would need, uh, to be able to fight a case. Um, First aid supplies, hotel vouchers for emergency placements, uh, which is like they need to yank the kid out of the home right away or, or, or the kids on the street and they need to provide a room right away or something of that nature. Uh, you know, pharmacy gift cards, grocery store gift cards, reimbursements uh, for prescriptions, money for medical, uh, legal fees for youth. Uh, go to this website, check out their cause. We're actually, Trey and I are actually going to plan, I'm trying to get a hold right now of a few uh, board members to be able to do an actual walkthrough and a interview, a live interview, uh, to get more about the program. Um, Again, for you in Island County uh, and Oak Harbor, this program is huge. I I recommend it, uh, that everybody dive in, look at the website, help these guys out. It's a very noble cause and our youth is our future. So please um, take a look into it. Okay, so when we started talking to Josh, we started talking about masks, and you heard the story that I shared with you about my experience last week, as a matter of fact, to, uh, again, you know, the man with a thousand masks, as I like to call it, is me, um, is Trey, is a lot of us that are out there listening right now. We portray this perfect image everywhere we go, you know, we're the stand-up guy here at work, we're the stand-up guy at church we're the stand-up guy here you know doing this and we're the stand-up father we're the stand-up um anywhere your employee you know your employee or or stand-up volunteer i mean you name it we're the stand-up guys for it right all of us out there but what are we really hiding from you know what i mean What, what what do we really got under our belt what what's in our conscience that we hide from every day that just tears us apart that's what we wanted to dive into today. And I think that we really dove into some good stuff earlier. Uh, now we're going to get just a little bit deeper in the weeds of why we wear masks. So Trey, why do you wear a mask?
0: I wear a mask to hide what's going on inside me. What I used to do, or at least what I used to do is be drunk all the time in this house with everything going on with Melanie and my own, uh, investigations and everything else, I would just hide in here and hope that I wouldn't run into anybody and hope I wouldn't have to do that mask be- because um it would, it's vulnerability. If I undo that mask and that happy face that, that I'm not doing good, that I'm doing bad. It was a sense of vulnerability. So once I stepped out, I put on this happy face. I put on this, I put eye drops in my eyes and make sure my eyes ain't bloodshot. I brush my teeth, make sure I drink some water, and eat a meal and make sure I don't smell like alcohol or smell like I look like a bag of ass. But no matter what, people can see through that thing. They can see through that mask. They know something is going on with you, no matter what, no matter how much you try to hide it. And I think people wear these masks, like we're calling them, is to hide what truly is going on inside of them and what I've came across is once you you let that go and you release you find out everybody else is doing the same thing everybody else is fronting in some type of way they're hiding something and I'm not saying go out there and tell everybody your business that's not what I mean but for us that are truly going through a lot of shit, you gotta express it you ain't gotta you don't have to be all out all the time but if you talk to somebody and anybody and take off that mask and be like, look, man, this is really what's going on with me. It helps. I agree hundred percent that it helps because you go out there, you go to work and you're like, Oh, I'm the chief. I'm the chief at work. I got to put on that mask. I got to mm-hmm. be tough for my guys. I don't mm-hmm. have any problems with me. Other brothers see you you're doing all right. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing better than you. What do you mean? No matter what people hit you up, you doing all right. I'm doing good. You never want to release that for some reason. It's just built into you because of the vulnerability and you know, you gotta be that dad. You gotta be that father. You gotta be that husband, but what's going on inside what's going inside that closed door. You know what I mean? What are you doing on the internet when nobody's around? Like Josh was saying, pornography chasing girls like you're not supposed to be doing drinking alcohol way too much during the week. It's all things that we're hiding that's going on inside and it's all about vulnerability.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's hard it's hard to wear my mask some days I'll be honest so my mask started when I was a child you know what I mean like josh was saying a lot of us are are exposed to trauma at a very young age and I believe that uh, I had the blank you know the blank copy of that mask when I was a kid and I started painting it to my own perspective at a very young age um, my dad you know he didn't have custody of me right away and I was born my dad was in the army so he was in Germany I had some step father that really didn't want me and the earliest recollection of trauma was me in a closet um with the door shut on me in the dark you know and that was pretty pretty intense especially coming through EMDR with it and and getting a lot of those details back of you know of why I was there having seen the toys you know busted on you know like the dude took all my toys tray and broke them all into pieces, broke one on my head and threw me in a closet and shut the door. You know what I mean? And then shut my room door Mm. and all I could hear was my mom and him screaming, you know, and that wasn't my real dad anyway. You know what I mean? So I thought that I was over with that as soon as my dad came home, you know, but that was how I started to paint my masterpiece, Uh if you will, of a mask, um, further childhood trauma. You know what I mean? Sexual trauma added certain aspects and key features to that mask. Um, trauma that I inflicted on others, you know, like instead of protecting myself at one point, I actually turned into the, I guess, the violator, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I started lashing out and I started hurting other kids at school. You know what I mean? Just because, hey, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me anymore. Right. And that, that helped me paint a picture behind, you know, a, a further little memoir into my mask and then getting into, uh, the military itself, you know, and, and girlfriend drama and, you know, all that kind of stuff, it just helps chisel and paint and perfect this beautiful mask that nobody can see through, or you think that nobody could see through, right? Um, I think the hardest part of that mask right now for me is actually being a senior leader in the military. Um, senior leadership, the biggest key takeaway I could say about senior leadership is if you're not in the right state of mind, if things ain't right at home, then it bleeds through you when you get to work.
0: No matter what you try to do, it's going to bleed through.
1: No matter what mask you put on, you could put the mask of, of, uh, you know, anger on or, or that stone face mask or, or however you, however you portray it to the people that work for you. Or even your family members that wake up with you every day, they can sense that you're lying right through your right through your teeth, um, and that's dangerous. You know, I used to do that, and now, I mean, I, I used to do that so bad to where the point where if a day like I'd go to work and I'd just be trembling, like I I you know I'd be in the middle of a panic attack and I'd be issuing orders and everything, and I could remember people talking to me, and I swear to God I didn't recollect anything that they were saying. But I was riding up and smiling and, and it it was, it was portrayed like I was there. You know, I think that I actually fooled a lot of people sometimes. I really do. But, um, I would take off home and I'd go crash, man. I'd be so depressed or so pat, like I'd go crash and I, and I, and I go to bed, you know what I mean? And it's like,
0: because well, it, it's a lot. Cause I, I remember myself coming home and Melanie already knew I needed a nap. I need to come home and just take a nap. To escape, to go to bed. That's what I love. I love to, to go to sleep because it feels so much better afterwards because of that whole day of putting up this front of something you think that you are or that you have to be. And it just doesn't help. Like I got Sean Trejo, one of my boys from back home, back in Dallas, Texas. He'd say, he said, uh, it's because people don't want to be judged. We hide behind it. That's the reason why we hide behind it because we don't want to be judged.
1: Uh-huh. And then I, Chris was just saying a, a comment too. He just put a comment up that, that's totally, totally accurate is we think that nobody's going to understand through the, through the mask. You know what I mean? Like, like we, we think that nobody is going to accept us when we pull that mask off. It's almost like watching. It's almost like, thanks Trey. It's almost like watching the Phantom of the Opera. Remember how he had his face covered Yep. Yeah. and he was afraid the whole, the whole fear was to take that off because as soon as people saw his face, they were going to get freaked out and run away from him. Yep. Right. Same aspect with us um but yeah pride's involved um humiliation could potentially be there that you're worried about shame of what a you're you're doing shame. a lot, a lot of, shame. of shame um but yeah, Chris, you're absolutely right when you pull that mask off, you know it actually toughens your skin a little bit because you'll see that other people are in support of you it makes you more resilient. And then it also makes you a better leader and a better husband and a better, you know, community member, like you said, in your in your statement. Um, because absolutely, it shows that you're real and that you're fighting the good fight against yourself. You're, you're fighting against those things that that make you feel that way. You know, that those, those dark entities that, that you hide so much behind, those weaknesses, you know, you're not afraid to expose that weakness, which is good because your weakness can be turned into your strength. You know, I I strongly believe that for sure.
0: No, yeah, because it it can be your strength. And we talked about this the other day at, at the, at the group, we feel that releasing these things is going to hurt us because we're vulnerable and we feel guilt and we feel shame, but you find out once you release just even a little bit, you find out everybody else has so much shit going on as well. Like, I don't care if it, I don't think anything passes up anything else. Like, oh, my shit's more important than yours. It matters how it's affecting you inside. Something that we think can be small, you know, people are like, oh, this is nothing compared to what you're going through. But how is it directly affecting you though? You haven't experienced anything else. So whatever it is you're experiencing is is affecting you maybe as much as everything affects me. Me and Melanie now are to the point where a lot of stuff is numb to us. Things that that would have like totally freaked us out before or put anybody else in some type of crazy panic attack mode, we're used to. When she got brain surgery, we're fine. We joked about it. Well, it's just brain surgery. I think the only time whenever I really, really got to that level was when I saw her come out of the surgery and she looked like a zombie and I thought they did something to her brain. But once, that, once she came out, We were already used to how, what the nurses are going to do when they're poking her, when the blood comes out, when she's going to have to go get a a MRI. Like we already know all these things, me having to sleep in a hospital. Like these things are already, we're already used to it. What hospital is going to be at? What place we're going to stay? We're just so used to those things and people wear these masks to hide what's going on. But once you share, I feel it changes you inside and you got to find out what's going on. Like, why are you wearing this mask? Why do you have this addiction that you're doing? You know, you step outside, wear this mask, you come back home and you cope with some type of addiction. I'm not saying all of us, but us that do, and we're still not addressing the problem of why you're doing this. Why is this shit going on? And sometimes you can't, you don't know because it's it's so far gone. You're so far, you've gotten this thing and compressed it so far in because you try to mask yourself from it that you don't know what's going on. So you have to dig deep inside your head and find out. And me, I auto hypnotherapy, man, I lay down in a quiet space, no sound and get there real slowly, but surely get to that small piece of that memory in my brain of why I do the things I do and why the way I react. And it sometimes is not even what's really heavy on you at the time. It could be something way in your past. Like you, you're saying a lot of stuff's in your past. Josh was saying his stuff was in his past. Mine, a lot of it, whenever I talk to him, the therapist, is in my past. My parents divorcing that really affected me in a lot of ways. A lot of things was like uh, me seeing my dad getting carried away by the cops from the house with him trying to get in, him telling me to open the door. That was huge. That affected me in a big way that I didn't think. I'm like, that's a normal thing. People's first get divorced all the time. You know, parents yell all crazy all the time. But seeing that really affected me. Yeah. So,
1: you know, I think that wearing a mask also hides your emotion from everything as well. So being a human being, I I believe that we were given emotion from our high, high creator, you know, God, God, um, to be able to express hurt, to be able to express happiness, to, to be able to expel, um, energy, if you will, you know what I mean? Positive energy, negative energy. You make people's days bright. You make people's, you can, you can make people's day sad gloomy it's all dependent on your emotion and how you deliver things right so when you hide stuff you're not only suppressing that emotion you're suppressing your own healing through wearing that mask i wore that mask for so long about everything that it started becoming normal to just suppress everything like everything i go through i just suppress it you know what i mean um and eventually it came to the point to where i suppressed it so much that guess what it was almost like I was absent. I had no emotional filter whatsoever. My emotional filter was, was plugged up. I had nothing coming out the drain. You know what I mean? To be able to, and, and and that's bad because it's like, it's like a clogged drain. Exactly. Things start backing up. Pressure. It's pressure pressure cooker also. It is. And then all of a sudden your head pops. You know what I mean? And and now you're in this situation where you say the wrong thing, you hurt somebody, um, you know what I mean? You destroy your career, all that, um, addictions. We're talking about addictions as coping mechanisms. That's just to try to make sure that the pressure cooker don't go off during that certain time period that you're trying to suppress all that crap. Yep. Drinking. Right. Because that suppresses emotion. Porn addiction. That takes your mind somewhere else, right? It takes you to a a state of plane of, of adrenaline, maybe and power and control and, 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 and things like that. Like Josh was talking about, you know what I mean? Um, drug addictions. You know what I mean? It it, it takes you into a state of euphoria to where you don't feel pain. You feel happiness or you feel out of your body. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not there present in that moment. And I think for true healing to begin, for true recognition to begin, you have to stay in that moment and you have to see you for who you are in that second without that mask on. That's the only way to identify the problem. Um, my wife told me that before, you know, just being straight up honest with me. She, you know, I try to bullshit my way out of a lot with my wife. Um, I, I, You know what I mean? I I lied to her all the time. That was my self-defense mechanism to me. It was, nope, didn't do it. You know what I mean? It, and, it's sad,
0: it. and it's sad because most of the time they really do trust us. They really do put their faith and trust. They're like, that's our significant other. They wouldn't. They wouldn't break that trust. I live with them. We have kids together. Been together so long, and we break that trust. It's a it's a sad thing, you know. I've done I've done the same thing. I've broke that trust as well many times before, many many times before.
1: Yeah. So you break, you know, and, and that was my self defense mechanism one hundred percent, you know. Um, but she would tell me straight up, you can't you can't bullshit me, you know. You can't bullshit yourself. One of these days, you are gonna have to. You're gonna to have to get your get your shit together, or you're gonna end up alone by your fucking self. Yeah. I've heard that speech. And you're gonna and you're gonna be sitting on a couch, you know what I mean, or in here by yourself, sulking in your own fucking sorrow because you choose to, because you wanna wear this mask like nothing's fucking wrong. When in fact it's right here bleeding out in front of you. Just like if you were to cut your wrist right now. And you see the blood pouring is the same way, but only in a, uh, in a mental aspect of it. You know what I mean?
0: It's like, um, this whole week I've been thinking about it. Well, not this week, but for a couple of weeks already, I've been thinking about it. I went, when I was in Miramar serving with the Marines, I went to go see the, um, the alcohol treatment people for a self-referral just for myself to go. Right. And I'll never forget it. The guy's last name was Trevino, just like me. And he was from Texas, the whole thing. We used to joke around that maybe we're cousins or something, but this dude wanted to put me in intensive outpatient treatment, IOP, like the one right below that they send you away. Right. And I'm like, hell no. Cause I'd have to go for four weeks, the whole week TAD or away from my command. And I'm like, no, I gotta take Melanie to the visits. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I'm fine. I'll get through this on my own. Let me just go through a class or something. So I had to talk to my command and my command had my back and they pretty much said like, we'll go talk to these people and tell them, no, you can't do that because it's self-referral. Long story short, that happened. I went through the class, but I was already pissed off because I'm like, this guy thinks he's no, he knows more than me. I only know myself. I'm tough. I can, I can work this out on my own. And so when that happened, he told me, he's like, Mr. Torino, he told me, he said, you got to fix yourself. You got to want to fix yourself. And if you don't, he's like, Mark, my words, one day you're going to be at the lowest point of your life. You're either going to be sick because of alcohol or it's going to destroy your life, but it's going to happen. I'm like, whatever, dude, whatever, dude, you don't give a damn. And what happens? I'm at the point right now where I'm facing getting kicked out of the Navy because of alcohol. And it happened. It was true. And it's been ringing in my head a lot lately. Like I've been wanting to pick up the phone and call this dude and be like, you know what, bro, you were right. I was wrong and you were right. You were trying to get the what was best for me because you saw it in me and I didn't see it in myself because I was, thought I was uh, hiding it or in this mask.
1: And for me, chasing women, you know what I mean? That almost ended my marriage. Oh, that's, a, that's another story. That almost story. ended my marriage twice. Like, and I say twice and probably everybody's out there like, you know, like wondering like, well, shit, why did she even stick with you the first time? Because sometimes I think about that too, you know, um, but no, it, it was an adrenaline factor for me, and I don't know, I don't know what in the heck possesses us sometimes to do what we're doing. You know what I mean? But all I know is that I never felt worse in my life than when I was doing it, and I and I did it to feel better. Like I did it to to kind of get something out of me, you know, to to kind of get a thrill and be like, ooh, you know, I still got it, kind of thing. Exactly. And, yeah, I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. And, um, but in actuality. Now you're even hiding more under that mask and that pressure builds you up. You got
0: more pressure because you got to hide this and put hide. a lie with this and make sure your well, phone don't do this. And she wants to look
1: at the phone and yeah, yeah, man, delete it's, this and delete that. And hopefully don't let, you know, she don't fucking text you right now and all this other crap, you know, and, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that shit's over with. You know what I mean? Um, you know that we had a close call last week you know, but luckily it wasn't what my wife thought it was. And she had every right to think it was that, you know, um, did I cross lines by reaching out to a female? Yes. But the intention was not the intention that I used to have, which was flirtatious activities and stupid crap. Um, it was actually sincere trying to get a a perspective on something. And it was from somebody that, you know, I knew at an inpatient program uh, that I met and, Like I said, I tried to hide it from her again. I went right back into that masking like, uh uh-oh, you know, and just put it right back on and said, nope, I ain't doing this. You didn't see what you saw. Like I gaslit the shit out of her about this thing, man. She was like about to punch me in my face because I was denying it so hard, you know. Um, But no, but that was, that was legit my defense. And then all of a sudden I, I had to pause and I already, I already lied to her about it. You know what I mean? I already gaslit her, but I still had to pause and say, wait a minute, what are you doing? And you know what I mean? That's when I started getting into that talking phase and then um, luckily things are working out the way they should be. You know what I mean? But I share that, like I said, in hopes that, that somebody else is going through the same type of thing and that they see, you know, that they're not alone because... Just because I'm sitting here doing a podcast right now with Trey, we're, we're both sitting here. And, and because, you know, we hold church groups and stuff like that does not mean that we do not fight these battles daily. This is something that doesn't go away. This mask we have been wearing for so long has been etched and etched and etched and detailed and detailed and detailed and forged. It's It's a hard thing to destroy and get rid of completely. You know what I mean? Because it gets stuck to you. It becomes who you are. Now you have to now you're forced to transparently dig this thing out of your soul to be who you want to be, if that makes sense.
0: It totally does. Because then you you end up um losing who you really are. You forget who you are inside because you put this biggest this big front in front of you and you paint this picture that this is who you are, and in reality you're not. That's not who you are. And then you end up losing yourself. Like, who in the hell, what am I really? Am I this bad fucking person? And you tell yourself, oh, I'm the bad person. I'm a bad person because I did this and this and this. You go into this big old pity party hole. And you it's like Josh said, you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. You can blame the meds. You can blame the alcohol. You can blame the addictions. You can blame that you wanted attention. But in the end, it's yourself. You made those decisions beforehand and the reason I say this is because when you get help, and I don't mean clinically, I mean like a friend, anybody, just somebody to talk to, somebody to trust. Because I know once you open up, there's an outpouring of people. I want to help. How are you doing? And not everybody a, is a fit for you. Not every psychologist is a fit for you. Psychiatrist, therapist, like a doctor. Sometimes what do you do whenever you get hurt? You get a second opinion, right? It's the same thing. You get help... And, it, and it's going it, to, it assists with what you're doing. This past weekend, we went to, uh, went out of town because he had a soccer game. And I was tired. And I was, I was being a little asshole. I didn't feel like doing shit. I told my lady, can I just sleep in the back of the car in the parking garage while you go take your sister to go check out uh, Pike's Place Market there in Seattle? And so I just fell asleep in the back. And then, like, something woke me up. I'm like, well, oh, I got to use the restroom. And we're parked in the Target uh, parking garage. I go in there, I'm doing my business and I hear something going on, some commotion. I get out and I see a dude laying on the floor and like, like kind of talking, but it looks like he was OD on some drugs. And that was a PA, a lady, and then a nurse, a guy helping this, uh, dude that looks like he's od Dean. And the guy just got up and left. Cause his wife or somebody told him, let's go. Cause got the, the dude on the floor was talking. He seemed semi-conscious. So he just jetted. So I, I think any other time I would have freaked the hell out. But I just went into a mode and I was like moving stuff, extending his legs. And then the PA told her her daughter, she's like, we might have to start CPR. Come over here, honey, and help me out. I'm like, nah, I ain't gonna let some little girl experience something like this hands on. Cause we've been talking about this shit can affect you forever. So I went in, I'm like, I think I know CPR. They train us all the time, but I've never actually performed it. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. And man, we went in there. She's like, feel for pulse. I was feeling pulse. Um, and she's like, we might have to do chest compressions and you're going to do it because you're bigger than me and I'll walk you through it. I'm like, you lead this evolution. I was all talking military talking stuff. It's like you lead the evolution team leader. <laughs> but but she did. And uh, and then like the dude started throwing up. And like instinctively, dude, I just grabbed the dude and threw him on his side. And um, he, he did his his thing. And then he went out like after that, he went out and I'm like, his pulse was going weak. And I started freaking out like that little part inside of me of all that anxiety and stuff started creeping in. And I don't know how, but I harnessed it for that. And I'll keep on going through a bit and I'll talk about it at the end. But I'm just it's going through my head like, wow his pulse started going weak. And then the dude just started doing these breaths. Like he was dying. He was like, uh, uh, and I was like, and I saw like his face just go dead, man, like dead and no pulse. And she's like, start doing chest compressions. And I got him. dude and started doing them. I like, I don't even remember most of it. I was just counting them to her. And she's like, all right, he has a pulse. Um, you can put him back on the side we did that like three times and that dude went like three different times and his pulse would come back and it fade. And like, that was a split second. I just wanted to like, by looking at his face and doing that, like this dude's dying right now, this dude's about to die. Like I'm touching a dead dude right now that's passing right now. Like there was a split second. I wanted to get up and just run. I wanted to get out of that situation as fast as possible. And I think before I probably would have done it because I'm not equipped. I've never, I haven't said anything. Or maybe I could have went through it, but I'd be a mess right now. And like 30 minutes, the paramedics showed up, everything. And the PA just grabbed me. She's like, let's go. I'm like, no, no, I, I want to see what happened. Like, I want to see if he's going to be all right. She's like, no, we did our job and nobody else would. Because it was all these people just standing there looking. And she said, uh, you can't get attached. Because what if he does die right there and they pronounce him? How's it going to make you feel? We did our job. Let's just go. I'm like, damn. And like 30 minutes for like 30 to 45 minutes after that, I was all like, it finally came down and I started like shaking a little and I feel like I wanted to throw up and then uh, it passed and it hasn't really affected me much now. And I think facing the stuff in my head and facing my inner demons with my type of uh, therapy that I've been doing, has really helped. And I think things happen for a reason like that happened for a reason Maybe it was a test and maybe, you know, God already knew what was going to happen. But for me, it really not changed me, but it spoke to myself like, wow, this would have came out so much different if, if I, if I had not done the stuff I'd done before to help myself. And then this happened right in front of me, I'd be a total mess right now. I wouldn't be here podcasting with y'all talking to y'all, nothing. So like I said, I know it's off the subject of mass, but When you talk about something to whoever and you face those things head on and see that you are okay, that you are going to be all right, that you can stand it, everything's better. Everything just ends up being better. I don't know how else to explain it. It's pretty deep. You're deep.
1: I remember a a similar kind of situation, but in a different aspect. I mean, the guys were dead, but um, it, it happened to be one suicide and one drowning both happened uh here separate years and i remember going to those scenes i was actually off duty both times um and getting a phone call about both situations and and getting my uniform on and getting you know getting out there and the first situation was a guy that was out on a recreational boat actually doing some fishing long story short he went overboard went missing bad storm came in you know we had him on a we had him a, a good search grid for him SAR had searched everybody's out searching for this guy for a week straight couldn't find him week two hit big storm came in surge pushed and he washes up and I had one of my patrol sections at the time because we only had two chiefs there in security um one of my sections just happened to call it in and they were they were covering the scene because they had to hold it you know and it's, it's a crime scene until js and all the proper authorities go in there and do their thing and say yeah it's good to go you know corner and all that stuff we have to preserve the scene I just remember when I heard yeah we found you know th- this sailor and et cetera et cetera it's like the emotion ran through me because we lost a sailor Um, if you ask any chief out there, any, any leader period, every sailor is ours. doesn't matter what command they belong to. We lost a sailor that day. So I head out to the, to the beach area where, and it's, you know, it's still stormy out. And I mean, and I'm going to get a little graphic. So please remember that this is a podcast. you know what I mean? This is no holes barred. You know, we're getting into the, to the, to the raw stuff here. So, um, if it triggers you just, just stick through it. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back down. Okay. But, um, I just saw him and he was in, you know, his, his, his face was, you know, he, he was, his face was gone. Um, and he was like washing up and down in the water and to the point to where the water was about to drag him back out. So I'm looking at my patrol guys and you could see in their face that they haven't had to wear that mask yet. And what did I do? I donned that mask for that time being and and it was the mask of strength. Yep. Of no emotion and saying, well, this is, this is what it is. And I remember walking over past them, grabbing the the coveralls of this guy and then eventually the other patrolman looked at me like, oh shit, you know, chief's over here pulling this guy out. So he came down and and we all pulled him out, got him up to a safer area and wait for the corner to come in. On the other situation with the suicide thing same thing you know it was in a in a, in a room guy hung himself in the shower um pretty devastating if you ask me for a brand new patrolman you know a first responder uh, responding to that did what any good leader would do got suited up went there again put on that face of hey it's not your fault you're doing everything right you know what i mean this stuff happens calmed them down the chaplains got them in there had them put on their face and together i think that that held those guys together for that first traumatic experience
0: so you're saying sometimes we do got to put on that mask
1: sometimes but
0: don't hold it forever
1: yes because that's the point is i could still remember every sailor lost that i've had to respond to and every soldier and even marines and to me, I held on for that to that shit, excuse my language, I held on to that shit for so long that it ended up making a, a huge impression in my life in a negative way. It didn't make it positive like it was meant to because initially it was positive, you know. We're all those guys that that raise the hand and go in there and do things first and and we don't ask questions and we don't fight about it. you know, we just get it done. and it's selfless. But then it starts turning against self. When we hold on to it and then we think it's our fault. Yeah. Or we just don't let it go and then it just starts beating into us. It's like a backpack, you know. Uh my brothers from from Strong Hope, that was our little analogy in the in the in the room of of uh, tears, you know, um, in the cry club was here's the pack of crap that I carry. And I saw Anthony Altimos in the in the chat, so hopefully He'll get a smile and he'll be able to smile out of this, but you take a, uh, take that pack off. You set it down in the middle of the room and everybody in that room grabs a piece of that pack. And now your pack's lighter. You know, why can't we do that when it comes to this mask that we wear, you know, why can't we pull off pieces of this mask and get rid of it?
0: we got a question right now coming in from one of our, uh, dedicated listeners, Val Garcia. She said, question of both. What steps are you taking to avoid some situations that you've masked in the past to avoid that ripple effect?
1: Well, I thought I had it whipped on, but um, obviously we saw that turned out. Um, the steps that I take to not have so many things that pop up is not to put myself. I think the best practice now is not to put myself in those situations. Whenever I put myself into a situation um, that was familiar for some reason it always leads down the same path and I got to get, I got to get that in my cranium. You know what I mean? I got to get that in my brain saying, say, no, there's never any good that's going to result out of this. It's always going to be bad because you left that impression already. You know what I'm saying? So why do it again? Why go through that whole motion again? Why put that mask back on when you, when you've already shed it, you know what I mean? Now you're in a clean slate. That's part of that mask that you peeled out of your soul. Why take it and apply it back and add that extra weight? Um, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's where it is right there. And then also not putting yourself into, uh, situations or circumstances of the same type of fallback that you have, you know, um, like for instance, Trey, looking from the outside in, if you were always constantly, that was your coping mechanism was drinking. You're not going to actively take yourself to a bar cause you know how that's going to end up Yeah. most likely the same thing with me, you know? I had to get it in. I have to get into my head that look. um, I can't reach out to other women. You know what I mean? I I can't, even if they're a friend, I can't do it because I've already made that mistake once and I was, you know, it disrespected my marriage. So now, now that that mask has been shed because it's in the light, do I really want to do that again and put the the same mask back on and feel the same amount of pain? And, you know, that's, it's putting me, putting me in that situation. You know, um, you got to stay out of that that situation. Ultimately, is what I I think. You know, you just like a porn addict like Josh, you don't want to give the guy porn videos. You know what I mean? Or you don't want to put him in a in a chat room, a sexually explicit chat room, and say, "Hey, man, have fun." You know, hope you learned your lesson from the last time, right? It's it's never going to be a good outcome.
0: It's and he's done those steps because uh, trying to get a hold of him for the podcast. I'm like, hey, man, just hit me up on Facebook Messenger or whatever. And he's like, I don't really have any of that. I'm like, well, shoot me a text. He's like, I don't text. I'll make you a phone call, you know, and I think he has a Facebook just for promotional purposes. But that's it. He don't have anything else. And that's a good question Val. like, what are we doing to avoid those situations like me? I ain't drinking for three months. I will admit me and Melanie went to a concert and I drank there. And I got tipsy, but I didn't get on fucking stupid and didn't do all the stupid shit I did. I woke up the next morning like, why the fuck did I do that every night? Melanie's like, you feel good? I'm like, no. I'm like, and I used to do that every fucking night for like months and months. I'm like, oof. So I'm doing that now. I'm not saying I'm not going to drink forever. um, But I don't, I'm not doing it to where I haven't, I've taken weeks and weeks off. And then with women, I just, the thing I was, I would get drunk and then hit up women. I just go spill my guts and stuff. So the alcohol has helped in that aspect tremendously. I don't just, uh, I'd be on the, here on the computer, just chatting away with whoever, and then anybody that was on and that I've separated myself from that. Um, but really digging deep into myself of who I am and what I'm doing and doing this podcast holds me accountable. Yeah. hold holds me accountable. Y'all hold me accountable through this now. Like if we're doing this thing, we got to stick to our word. Like you said, we're not perfect. We make our own mistakes, but I feel this is just one extra step that helps us. Like, do I really mm-hmm. want to say that we're trying to help people with our stories and then go fuck up and do it again? Right. You know, we don't want to do that. We're human. It can happen. But I think it's just another layer of accountability doing this, reaching out, trying to help people, going to Ryan's house on the weekends, just keeping keeping yourself busy with positive things in your life.
1: And transparency. I mean, uh, out of all people, you know, she's taught me that it's better to be transparent than try to hide behind a lie um, because it's never really working out for you. All you're doing is continuously lying at that point because then you're lying after lie after lie after lie to try to cover up the other lie. And then it's just like... And then you talk about destruction. That's that's like total destruction. You know what I mean? When it was a simple, hey, you know, I need to talk to you for a few to get a, you know, and or whatever, and just coming out with it and saying, yeah, I hit, I hit her up, or whatever, and this is why, and we were in a bad spot, and I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? And leaving it at that, and and letting the the person be the judge of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean,
0: Mel- Melanie used to tell me because I'd go and I'd delete messages and they were like not even bad things. And she was like, I know you deleted it. Why'd you do that? I'm like, I don't know. And she'd be like, if you would have just told me I'd be way more better than it than you just deleting it. I'm like, well, it wasn't nothing. So why are you mad? And she would say, because you try to lie. You try to cover it up. Yeah. Uh, would you like to come and share with the audience my love about <laughs> that story?
1: Yes. <laughs> she said she made
0: scared listeners away
1: and it's truth though i mean that's why that's why we're doing this podcast though because we're, we're we're living proof of you know what i mean of everything we're talking about we have done it so um our stories sometimes are identical you know what i mean um me not the drinking part because i was kind of like i don't know i just I, I never really got into that i mean there was Sometimes I was like really fucked up, but I never felt like, you know what I mean? It wasn't a coping skill of mine. I like alcohol. Yeah. See, mine was just other things. You know what I mean? Just the chase, man. That's all I could say is that's what it was. Just looking and analyzing because you have to. You have to self-analyze to pull that mask off and say, all right, what am I going to, you know, what is it underlying that's keeping this mask on? And at the time it was just the adrenaline rush of the chase. And that wasn't healthy. And I knew that in order to fix my myself to be a better person, because ultimately I have to fix myself to be a better person for my wife. Then I have to find a way to control that adrenaline rush.
0: Well, guys, I think that's, uh, it's going to wrap it up. I got one last plug. Um, this is an important one. If y'all can, we're going to put this on our website or we're going to put it on the, on the page, uh, right now. And then, um, I'm asking if everybody can share this. It's been shared before. I'll put it on here. There's a missing person. His name is Thomas Robert Anderson. He goes by TJ. His date of birth is September 5th, 1997, and he went missing on October 1st of this year. He was last seen in Richland, Washington. Uh, His appearance and distinguishing marks are he's about 5'11". So he's pretty. He's tall. 170 pounds, slim build, brown hair, hazel eyes, cross tattooed on his, on all finger knuckles, occasionally wears the study rings. If you have any, if you have contact or any information, please contact Robin Jenkins at 360-441-5918. Once again, that it will be Robin Jenkins 360-441-5918. Three six zero four four one five nine one eight. This This dude right here. You can see him.
1: And you will put it up on... Yeah, the, we'll put it out on there. ...on the podcast site. And then uh, one final note for me about masks. Just remember that the mask that you wear prevents and blocks everyone else from knowing and, and accepting the real you. Um, I'm proof of that. I've done it. I'm telling you right now... If you're a Christian, it also prevents your relationship from building with your inner peace, which is God, Jesus Christ. Um, Take care of it. Shut it off. Expose yourself to the ones you love. And eventually you'll be able to expose yourself to the greater audience for the greater good to help humanity be what it is and what God intended it to be. I appreciate you guys following this podcast. I appreciate all the listeners, the viewers. Please Share because our voice is as strong as you make it. All right. We're trying to reach those guys that possibly need to hear this right now, right here. Um, Please, you know, in your own way, uh, look out for those that are less fortunate. Um, Think about those in their time of need. Also, think about guys like Josh Shea that are rehabilitated. Uh, They're trying to make a difference in the world. Uh, don't be judges guys. Don't be, you know, don't be hypocrites either. We're all out there trying to help each other. Um, let's make sure that we all get to the finish line together. You know what I mean? So I just want to give you my sincere appreciation. Thank you for what this podcast is becoming. And, uh, we look forward to the next episode. I think I'd like to try to get, uh, a little sneak peek in there about caregivers. I think that's, it's time for, um, some caregivers to give their stories about how it is exactly and how they get through day to day dealing with idiots like us.
0: Yeah. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect right there. And that'd be nice for the next week. So we have a bunch of episodes coming up. Uh, I'll be shooting off right, like three, maybe every other day this week. Cause we just had one. We had one right now and we had one a couple days ago also. So I'll be shooting them out. Still working on the website, um, on Apple uh, podcasts, we were on the third column. When you search PTSD, like if you go on Apple podcast and you put PTSD, we're on the third column now. So that's because of y'all appreciate it. Keep sharing away, share the podcast, share the video, share the YouTube. We're actually streaming on YouTube at the same time right now. So that's pretty cool. Uh, shout out to my mom for giving all those plugs on us on, on her, uh, DIY videos. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate it guys. Tune in again next Tuesday. Um, we're trying to make the time a little earlier to con- get everybody that's you know all the way to the east coast to here um but yeah we appreciate it man so stay here next week and keep on tuning in
1: peace